All right, Romans 16, Romans 16. If y'all can get there, we're going to get into the word of God. Hey, listen, as, as I was praying um, on Wednesday, we had our fourth Wednesday night prayer and Bible study in this room. And I was and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each right week. And Grace and peace. And as I was praying, I felt myself, even as the song was talking about gratitude, I felt myself um, thanking God that I am a part of a church that is serious about the word of God. And I'm talking about y'all, that y'all are hungry and y'all are thirsty and y'all come in here with your notebooks and your notepads. Don't take for granted that you come in here and have access to the word and that we get to dig into the word. It, it is something supernatural about what the Lord is doing here. It's not many places you can go and see a room full of young people that are serious about the word. And I'm not talking cliches. And I'm not talking surface. I'm talking about digging deep into the word of God. And so I just want to, man, I just want to say thank you to y'all for being so committed to week after week being so committed to digging into God's word. Quick building update as we're about to dig into the word. Um, we, are, we are gradually moving toward uh, being able to move downstairs. I don't know if you're noticing, we've got some pipe and drape up because behind it is, is just, um, it's, it's, we needed storage and we needed space. And so we've crammed out some spaces because downstairs is, is actively being worked on. And I don't know if y'all are excited, but I'm so excited about uh, moving downstairs that we get to double the amount of seats. Y'all see we trying to put down seats. We get to double the amount of seats downstairs. Amen. And um, man, I'm, I'm excited about it. One quick update. I told you guys that construction would be done. Renovation would be done by... The 30th, I believe I told y'all of this month, which is today, uh, we actually had to push that back just a bit. And so um, mid of November, somewhere around the 11th to the 14th, construction will be completely done. We are still on track for December 9th, which is our building dedication. Um, it's gonna be great, it's gonna be dope, it's gonna be amazing. And so um, if you guys could invite your friends, we will have space for you. So invite your friends out December 9th, Friday, December 9th, we will do our building dedication and then on the 11th, which is that Sunday, we will be downstairs officially and we'll move our kids' uh, ministry up in this room um, so that they don't have to uh, be next door. Um, and I pray, I pray that you guys are praying, man. It's a lot of work. Let me just say that again. It's a lot of work. But uh, God has been faithful. Shout out to Gabe. Can we thank God for Gabe? There we go. Shout out to Gabe for all the work that he is doing to make sure that we are moving, that we are moving forward with being downstairs. And I'm, it's going to be great, you guys. All right, let's get into the word. Romans 16. Uh, man, we've been going through a sermon series uh, called We Are Family. The first week we were in Acts 15 and we talked about agreeing on the essentials. What makes us family? We, we're not just family because we want to be. We're family because we have a common goal and that's Jesus. And so that's what makes us family. Then the next week we talked about being sharpened by one another, how iron sharpens iron. We looked at Ecclesiastes 10.10 and Proverbs 27, and we said, well, how does the Lord sharpen us? And it would have been amazing if he said, man, I just from heaven, I zapped down and I sharpened you. But the reality is he uses the body. He uses the people sitting next to you to sharpen us. And then last week we looked at Acts chapter 2. And we talked about how we had all things in common. Remember this? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the breaking of bread, the prayers, and the fellowship, the koinia. So we were like, man, what, what, are we, what, are we, what is our goal? What's our... So we looked at Acts 2. Well, this week in Romans 16, which I'm ambitious, I'm going to try to do the whole chapter. 
Um, we're going to be talking today about how everyone matters. Everyone matters. Here's why that's important. Before we even dig into the text, sometimes when you go to church, you can look at the people that have the most visible gifts and you can say they matter. And then that gives you kind of the ability to, you know, to come slip in and slip out. You know, I don't I don't really have that. You know, I'm not really up there. But everyone matters that's in this room. And today, I think we're going to see that. Now, let me, y'all give me grace. I'm, my exposition will be different today. If y'all peeked at Romans 16, it's just a bunch of names. Just a bunch of names. Y'all know we skip over these chapters, right? Y'all know we skip over these chapters. We skip over genealogies. We it be names that we don't even know how to pronounce. In fact, I may mispronounce one or two today. But um, y'all, y'all be gracious. But Romans 16 is really going to help us to understand how the Lord really uses an eclectic group of people to bring about family and mission. And that's what we're going to see in Romans 16. Let's, uh, let's pray and then, instead of me reading the whole chapter, let's pray and then we'll, we'll dig in. Father, this morning, or afternoon at this point, Lord, we are pleading with you to speak to the hearts of your people today. Would you use my mind today, use my thoughts, let my thoughts not be my thoughts, move me, move me out the way, oh God, and just... Use me as an undone vessel that's unworthy to be used by you. But Lord, you use things that are foolish to confound the wise. So Father, use this foolish thing right now for your glory. I pray that I would preach only what is in the text. I wouldn't add anything to it. I wouldn't take anything away from it. But what we need is not my opinion. We need the nutrients of your word. So do it today, oh God. Transform hearts. May we leave different than how we came in. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Somebody say, everyone matters. matters. Look back at somebody and just say, everybody in the room matters. (laughs) I'm currently in a book club, and my book club is going through a book. It's actually my second time reading this book, uh, a book called The Three Ring Circus. It's by an author named Jeff Perlman. And honestly, the book is about how um, the Lakers dynasty formed. Really, it starts in the 80s and the, the early 90s. So we get to look at Magic Johnson and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar under the leadership of Coach Dell Harris. And then it quickly, quickly takes a turn. And it fast forwards to the 90s uh, Lakers dynasty, which is Kobe and Shaq under the leadership first of Dell Harris and then under the leadership of Phil Jackson. And there's a, there's a, there's a chapter in that book called Feel the Burn. And Feel the Burn is, is basically a chapter that is 100% devoted to Phil Jackson. And as I'm reading through this chapter, you know, there's a, there's a few sports things that we can disagree on and still be cool. Phil Jackson being one of the greatest coaches really isn't even up for debate. I mean, he, he, he really is. If you don't know sports, you should Google him. If you do know sports, you probably agree with me that Phil Jackson is one of the greatest coaches in NBA history, period. He has 13 rings. Two of them he won when he played for the Knicks. Five of them he won on the Lakers, and six of them he won with the Chicago Bulls, which is where he coached the second greatest player of all time, Michael Jeffrey Jordan. Slip that in there, slip that in there. Yeah, I don't, I really don't care. I really don't care. 13 rings is what Phil Jackson has. And here's the, you know, here, here's the crazy thing. What, what makes him great, if we can agree on this, 
What makes him great is that he has the ability to take everyone on the team's talents, everyone on the team's personalities, everybody on the team's egos, and trust me, Kobe was, a, he was arrogant. Shaq was arrogant when they played, and honestly, to get to that level, there has to be a little bit of, of arrogance that you have. And so these, these guys were, they had big egos. But Phil Jackson had a way to make sure that everybody on the team felt like they mattered. In fact, when he played with Jordan, when he coached Jordan, which, which is one of the greatest players of all time, no, no argument there. When he coached Jordan, he had a unique way to push him to be great while at the same time making sure Scottie Pippen and Dennis Rodman didn't fall in the shadows. At, at the same time, what he would do is, when, he, when we fast forward to Kobe and Shaq, he had a way to make sure that Kobe became great while at the same time making sure that Shaq understood that this is my team too. He had a unique way of bringing it all together. And I believe when it comes to the church, we have to look at each member the same way that Phil Jackson looked at each player. We have to look around the room and we have to say all of us have to contribute because all of us bring something unique to the table. Every one of us in the room, I don't care how gifted you think you are, God has put something in you that supplies the need of the body. And you matter. You showing up matters. You, you, you're being present matters. You giving, all of this really does matter. And I'm grateful to go to a church where most of the room does serve in some capacity or give in some capacity. But my hope and prayer is that 100% of us that are blood-bought believers, that are signed on to this local church, that you're in the big church, but this local church is where you call home, that we would all put our hand to the plow because all of us realize that we bring something to the table. In the text today, Romans chapter 16, after hitting us, Paul hitting us with heavy theology throughout Romans, read Romans, heavy theology he gives us, he ends very practically. In Romans 16, which is the last chapter of the book, he literally just gives the homies shout outs. It's almost like back in the day, I'm 42, so back in the day when, when I used to, this back in the day when I used to buy bootleg uh, movies, y'all know who y'all used to do it too. You know, where a guy sit in the back of the, of, of the theater and he, he video in the movie, you know, and it's all, I don't know how we watch the quality on that thing. But I don't know about your, your, your bootleg movies, mine at the end of them, the dude taping will get in front of the camera and be like, yo, shout out to all the homies. That's what, that's what Paul does in Book of Romans. He spends all of Romans and he's given such high lofty, he's correcting them, he's encouraging them, he's giving them great theology, you're getting the gospel. I think Romans is one of the clearest presentations of the gospel and then he gets to chapter 16 and he stops teaching and he just starts giving shout outs. Again, we, we skip over these passages. We skip over them because we think that nothing is there but if I understand 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16, all scriptures breathed by God. So that means every name is breathed out by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. I don't just believe every name. I believe every period makes sense unto God. Every comma, every, every question mark. And so today, if you guys will indulge me, i like to go through a few names. Now, Paul is going to list out 29 names in, the, in, in, in the, this last chapter. I'm not going to preach 29 names, but I do want to extract some of the names out of Romans chapter 16. And I want, I want to ground us in how each one of the names that are mentioned in the last chapter uh, matters to the church at Rome. And in doing so, I hope and pray that you would be sitting back and going, well, how am I contributing? As we're about to dig into this text, I just want you to consider this question. Don't ponder it. I'm not trying to beat you up. I just want you to ponder it for a second. 
If everybody served like you serve, would the church be healthy? Let me say it differently. If everybody gave the percentage that you give, would the church be able to keep the lights on? Look at the names that he's going to list out in this chapter. I'm trying not to move because I don't want this to, so I feel stiff up here. There it is. Verse 1. Check me out. He says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe. Somebody say Phoebe. A servant of the church. Verse 2. That you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you. For she has been, don't miss this, a patron of many. And of myself as well. I am so shocked culturally. I am shocked at this time that Paul is mentioning Phoebe first. You got to understand something. This book was written in 57 AD. This is the Greco-Roman era. And so this was an extremely misogynistic culture. They did not, they did not value women at all. At all. And so what Paul does is when Paul picks up the pen and he ends, well, he actually doesn't pick it up. We'll see that in a little bit. But when Paul begins to write the last chapter of Romans, he starts countercultural. He does not start by listing out the boys. He starts by listing out Phoebe. This is so interesting to me because culture, you know, culture wouldn't let them be great. Well, I love the way Khaled said culture say they didn't believe in us. But God did. God did. Culture would say in this chapter that Phoebe being mentioned in general shouldn't happen. But Paul says, no, but in the kingdom of God, women matter. They may not matter in culture. They not, may, may not matter in the marketplace. They not, may not matter even in the synagogues. But when it comes to me building my bride, I'm not just building it with men. I am building it with godly women. And so he says, I need y'all to do me a favor. I need y'all to greet Phoebe. Now, understand something out of the 29 names that Paul is going to mention in the Romans, in the last chapter of Romans 16. He, 29 names, nine of them are women. Four of the nine women, he gives them this label. They are laborers of the Lord, workers in Christ. So often when we look around at culture and we see that culture still can be chauvinistic and misogynistic. We got to get 100 feet higher and understand that God's pride is not supposed to be built. But based on what we see in culture, the culture may not value women at this time and even now. But in the church, women should thrive. I need a woman to just say amen right there. Because here's what I understand about scripture. Let's get out of Romans for a second. If you look at the rest of scripture. What you'll see over and over again is that women are being used faithfully to accomplish great works. Let me say it this way. If you take out all of the women and their contributions throughout scripture, you're, you're actually removing major parts of scripture. I'll say it this way. You're removing major events. Let me prove it to you. You know, we rejoice at, at Moses, right? He's a hero, right? Of the first five books, the, the Pentateuch, the Torah, a Torah hero. Oh, man, he's, man, he actually led Israel, millions of people. He led out of Egypt who was in bondage. And we rejoice. We'd be like, yo, Moses, but do you understand that the preservation of Moses happened because of four women? Let me go back just a second here. Exodus, we rejoice by the time he gets to Pharaoh and says, let my people go. But you know, when I rejoice in chapter one, before Moses was born, when the edict went out that all the boys would be killed, two Hebrew midwives said, no, we're going to defy that. Yeah. 
And in defying that, they preserved Moses. And even after Moses was born, his mother said, oh, man, I can't keep him alive. I'm going to put him inside of a basket and float him up a river. That's the third woman that preserved Moses. Come here, Pharaoh's daughter. Pharaoh's daughter gets Moses and raises him as though he, she is his own. Understand what happened before you get to the Red Sea parting and the water coming out of the rock. You got four women that all helped in the movement of Israel. What about David? We rejoice that David, one of the wisest kings, the Bible says that he was a man after God's own heart. David would have never been born if it wasn't for the preservation of Ruth. Because David comes from the bloodline of Ruth. Let me go deeper. What about Esther? An entire nation was, was, was saved because of Esther. And if you read the text, the nation was saved and Esther didn't even have to open her mouth. A woman. What about the very cross that we bask in? Jesus was born through the conduit of a virgin named Mary. If you remove women out of scripture, let me calm down. If you remove women out of scripture, you, you, are, you are tampering with major movements of scripture. And so the Bible says in ancient time, they, they, didn't, they didn't respect women. But Paul says, drop Phoebe's name. Let me give her a shout out. Not later on, but she needs the first shout out. Now, Phoebe, Phoebe walks heavy. Phoebe, Phoebe is a big deal in scripture. There are three things that you should have picked up about this verse that I just read. Verse one and verse two. Number one, Paul calls her a sister. So we're talking about we are family. Paul ain't trying to holler at Phoebe. Paul understands that Phoebe is an intricate part, that that is his sister. Second thing you'll note about verse number one, that it calls her a servant. Now, this word in, in the English is servant, but in the Greek, it's diakonos. It is the exact same word that is used in Acts chapter six when the seven deacons were chosen, the diakonos. So Phoebe ain't just a, a regular woman. She's a deacon in the Lord's church. Let me go deeper. He then says in verse three that she's a patron or a helper or a financial contributor. And so the church at Rome was able to thrive, not just because she was a deacon, not just because she was a sister in the Lord, but they were able to thrive because she financially contributed to the work of mission and ministry. Somebody say Phoebe's a big deal. Now, let me go deeper with Phoebe. Phoebe is the same one that would have taken the letter at Rome from Corinth, which is where it was written, and traveled the hazardous journey to get all the way to Rome. How do I know that? Because Paul is saying, welcome her. That means many commentators would suggest that she's the one as a deacon that served, and one of the ways she served was she carried the letter that you and I are sitting reading today, she carried it from Corinth all the way to Rome. Don't tell me she ain't a big deal. Like, like this is why I said this is countercultural. Not only, would culture not have mentioned her, but they certainly would have heard, wouldn't have entrusted her with such a profound book. But Phoebe is the one that would have carried it. When I look over, you know, I, I was kind of born and raised in, 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 a, uh, in black Baptist churches. My father was in the military, so he bounced around, but we always found a way to be in a black Baptist church. And one of the things I noticed throughout the history of, even before I was a believer, throughout the history of my Christian walk, or, or uh, I would say a religious activity before my Christian walk, one of the things I'll notice is that the black church wouldn't have existed without women, without black women. I'm, I'm serious. Like, we, we, we wouldn't have existed. 
We wouldn't have existed. Even cross, cross-cultural, cross-ethnically, the church doesn't exist if you do not have women as major roles. And, you know, when I think about even my path toward ministry and path toward pastoring, that really was stirred up through a bunch of women. My mother would be the first one, always make sure I was exposed to the things of God. Ty would be the second one. There, there, was a, there was a point in my life where Ty saw that I was just like hungry for the word. I just gave my life to the Lord. I was serious about, about reading my word and had so many questions. I didn't have, always have answers. And Ty said, you need to go to school. And I gaffed her off. I was like, oh, I don't, you know, nobody feel like no seminary. Nobody feel like no Bible college. And one day I was asleep. And I woke up, and next to the, the nightstand, she put an application to a Bible college. You know, she's slick, right? She put an application to a Bible college called PBU, Philadelphia Biblical University. Well, needless to say, a few years later, it took me a while. I still put it in the drawer. A few years later, I ended up graduating from that same school with my degree in Bible and a concentration on discipleship counseling because Ty saw something in me that I didn't even see in myself. Even when I started teaching, when I started teaching, my first, I cut my teeth on teaching the word of God to a room full of old women, and they loved your boy. They loved me. They loved me. I ain't say much, but they loved me. They, they did. They loved me, man. Even when I was in Philly, you know, at the church that sent us here, Epiphany Fellowship, under the leadership of Dr. Mason, Dr. Mason said, go start a small group in the West Philly section of uh, uh, Philly, and, and Ty and I go over, and I start, start this small group for the church, and honestly, it felt like a woman's Bible study because I was the only man there. I look around, I was going, God, we started praying, like literally started praying for more guys. By the time I left, there were more men than there were women. That's an answer to prayer. But it was, it was this group of women that allowed me to lead and teach me and let me make mistakes. Women have such a place. I feel like I'm on this point long, but it's important, man. Even the civil rights. Think about the civil rights. You know who we give credit to and we should? Martin Luther King and we should, let me be clear, John Lewis, yes, we should give them credit because they were major movements, but don't you dare forget Ella Baker. Don't you dare forget Daisy Bates and Rosa Parks and, and Dorothy Heights and Fannie Lou Hamer. The preservation of the church has been largely contributed to women. So he says, Phoebe, I need you to greet her because she's a major, she's a major part of the movement of, the, book of, uh, of the, the church at Rome. And let me just say again, before I move on from this point, ladies, this is why you're important. We need you. We need you to be godly. We need you to be serious. We need you to be on fire. We don't need gossip. We don't need gossip. We don't need gossip. We need women that are, no, no, I'm not trying to be funny. Men gossip. Let me, hey, well, hold on. Hold on for a second. I probably had to rebuke more men for gossip than I do women. Let me just be clear. But, but we, what we need is women that are serious about their faith, serious about growing in the faith. Yeah and putting their hand to the plow and not looking back. And men, by the way, this isn't a men sit down, women stand up sermon. We, we need the brothers. We, we need the brothers. You know, Ty and I was talking earlier, she was looking at something on, on her phone, some videos that she was doing, and we both begin to rejoice, because like, yo, actually Epiphany is growing and gaining men. When we first started, we were like 80% women. Women used to come to me all the time, be like, where the men at? I go, I don't know. Because <laughs> they used to go with attitude. <laughs> Women matter, man. Our ladies matter. Let's move on. So the first name he gives is Phoebe. Do you know the second name he gives is another woman? But this one isn't single as Phoebe is. This one is married and faithful to Jesus, her, her husband, and the church. 
Let me, uh, let me work this through. Look at verse number three. Greet Prisca. You might see her in other passages as Priscilla. And Aquila, that's the husband's name. Uh, I'll leave that there. Uh, my, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus who risk their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches in, in, of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Watch this verse. Greet also the church in their house. So you have this married couple, Priscilla and, and Aquila, or Prisca and Aquila, you might see it. You have this married couple that is faithfully doing ministry together. And the Bible just said that Paul says, when you get the letter to Rome, one of the names I need you to greet is this couple because they're doing ministry. But I love that he points out in their house that you'll see them at least six times in, in the New Testament. And, you know, there's places like Acts chapter 19 where the, the, the building of the church at Ephesus and the Bible says that Apollo, y'all remember this, Apollos came into town and when Apollos got there, he might have been a little off on his doctrine. And so the Bible says that Aquila and Priscilla pull him aside and correct his doctrine, a faithful ministry couple doing ministry together. Yeah. Let me go deeper. Do you know that the church at Corinth would have started in their home? Let me put Bible here. First Corinthians chapter 16, verse 19. Aquila and Priscilla greet you warmly in the Lord. And so does the church that meets in their house. What is interesting is out of the six times they're named. Do you know that Priscilla, the wife, is named four times? Uh, she's named first four times out of the six. Let me say that again. Out of these, this couple, Priscilla and Aquila, Priscilla the wife is named at least four times and the husband is named two times first. And so in other words, many commentators have suggested that she probably has the dominant gift. But you know what I don't see? The husband complaining that she has the dominant gift. I don't see the husband going, why she named first? Especially in this culture. The husband ain't doing that. The husband is like, baby, you go ahead. You correct Apollos. He, get him. He don't know what he's talking about, but you know what you're talking about. And, and, I, and, I, and I love this because this couple is known for being faithful in ministry together, not known for being on the shade room. They're, they're, they're not known for, for you know, Aquila uh, standing up going, I had an affair. They're not, they're not known for being on church of laughs. You know what they're known for? Sit down on this couch and let me talk to you about Jesus. They're known for discipleship and leadership development and gospel clarity and correcting bad doctrine. They are known for being faithful in ministry. And I love seeing it. And if you're in this room and you're, you're a married couple and you're, you do ministry together, man, shout out to you, man. I got up this morning. I started praying for all the couples that I know that do ministry together, at least in this local context. I'm talking about uh, Kindling and CC building out small groups. I'm serious. I'm talking about Rodney and Yolanda and how they serve together. Come on, let's love on them. I'm talking about Gabe and Keisha. Keisha serving, Gabe serving. I'm talking about Caleb and Adriani. If you dropped your kids off downstairs, do you know that you were met by Chris and Michelle, a married couple? If you're looking at live stream right now, do you know oftentimes the people that keep that together is someone like a Christine and Artie? We just dedicated uh, Zion. Do you know how faithful and God has used Ed and Tisha? Yeah. And so on and so on and so on. It's Priscilla and Aquila doing ministry together. And shout out to Ty. I'm serious. I'm serious. 
Like y'all don't know like the amount of work that you know out of out of there's nobody else in this world that I would rather have planted Epiphany Church with than Ty. She she just she kills it. She kills it. She she kills it and she keeps balance in the family. She keeps us balanced at church and she's sexy. I'm sorry boys. But mama's sexy. So the so the <laughs> he says, greet Priska. They got they got they gonna fuss me out at that one. <laughs> greet, greet Priska or Priscilla and Aquila, a married couple faithfully doing ministry. Can we do a few more names, y'all? Go to verse 10. The B part of verse 10 says, Greet uh, greet those who belong to the family. Now I said this wrong in the first service. I, said, I think I said Aristobulus. It's Aristobulus. It's hard. Just act like I said it right, y'all. Y'all edit this out if y'all posted this one, man. My pastor be calling me up going, well, you saying them names wrong, bro. Now notice here, now this, this, this is one that, this is a name that we definitely would skip over. Y'all know we would skip over this one. Oh, man, I don't even know how to say it. I'm definitely, I don't know who he is. I don't know where else he is in scripture. But do you know that he is the grandson of Herod the Great? Herod the Great was his grandfather. Let me go deeper. If Herod the Great was his grandfather, he would have been not only a political giant, but he also would have had access to the emperor of Rome, which was Claudius. So this is a political family. Now, he's probably dead at this time because he doesn't say greet him. He says greet the family of him, which typically if you give that greeting, that means he's no longer here. But the fact that Paul is saying greet that family means that whole, that whole family has given their life to the Lord. So this is a family that has platform. This is a family that has status. This is a family that, that, that is known and people know them. And what I love is even though they were known, they used their platform to make sure that the kingdom was thriving. They, they, they didn't use the platform to build up themselves. I want to talk to somebody for a second. You know, New York is the place that you come to make it. I get it. And you're probably killing it on your job. You probably got a blue check, but don't you dare think that that blue check is for you to build your name. It's always for God to be built. That's why Psalm 115 says, not unto us, not unto us, but unto your name, get the glory. The moment you try to steal God's glory and be a glory thief, he will strip the blue check. And, and, and so this family is a family that is known, that has political savvy. And they, they are known, but they are known first, as Paul says, greet them. They are known first for their relationship with the Lord. And I don't care how successful you become, how famous you get, how big your platform is. I don't care how many followers you have on social media. You will always need Jesus and you will always need his body, period. Okay, I don't care how, I don't care where your success takes you. And you know, I, I look around this room, man, we got, I mean, this, we got some dope folk in the building. I'm serious, I'm talking about actors and, and actresses and we got people who are scientists and people who are in tech and we have writers of some dope magazines. Like y'all wouldn't even believe the amount of gifting that is in the room, but God never gave you the, that platform for you to build yourself. He's always given us platforms so that we can make much of him. So this family would have used that platform in order to share the gospel. If they have access to the emperor Claudius, that means the gospel can spread faster. What if you took your job, your occupation, whatever success you have, what if you took it and said, I want to give God full glory with it? Because that's exactly what this family did. You don't just need Jesus. You, need it. you, you don't just need influence. You need Jesus. You don't just, just need fame. You need Jesus. 
You don't just need money, but you actually need Jesus. And that's what this family have. And so this family here has a platform and they're using it for the Lord. Now, I don't know if you know, I'm going to do a few more names, but I don't know if you're picking this up. But every one of these names matter. Phoebe matters in what she does. Priscilla and Aquila matter in what they do. Aristobulus, let's just say that's right. <laughs> Aristobulus, whatever it is. He matters. His family matter. Let's do another name. Look at verse 13. I love this one. Because this one actually shows me ethnic diversity and generational diversity. In verse 13 it says, Greet Rufus. I love his name. Chosen by the Lord, also his mama, who has been a mother to me as well. You know, let's first look at the ethnic diversity. You know, Rufus is not just mentioned here, but this is the same Rufus that is mentioned in Mark chapter 15. Now, maybe you don't know it when I just say it like that, but I bet you'll know the situation. Remember when Jesus was on the Via Della Rosa and he was on his way up Gothel's Hill and the Bible says he got so tired he couldn't carry the cross anymore? And the Bible says a Roman soldier says uh, to Simon of Cyrene, he says to him, pick up the cross and help him carry the cross. Let me read verse 15 to you, or verse 21 of that same chapter. They forced the man coming from the country who was passing by to carry the cross of Jesus. Uh, he was Simon of Cyrene, don't miss this, the father, father of Alexander and Rufus. So Rufus is the son of the man who carried the cross for Jesus. Let me bring in the ethnicity. Cyrene is where his father is from, which is where he would have been ethnically identified. Cyrene is current day Libya, northern Africa. Let me just give you a little bit of this geography. Why does that matter? Because you have in the text right now a Jewish man saying, let's make sure that we put a shout out to an African named Rufus. Let me bring in generational diversity. He don't just say, Rufus, greet him. He says, man, y'all better greet his mama too. I would say the first sainted mother of the church is Rufus' mother. He says, greet Rufus' mother because she was maternal to me. She cared for me. She loved me. She corrected me. She walked with me. You know, one of the things I'm grateful for about Epiphany Church is that we are starting to grow in generational diversity. Maybe not in this service so much, but the first service, the OGs come to the first service. Ed, back me up. They be like, Ed, baby, turn that music down a little bit. Don't they do that? Turn that music down, baby. Listen, I love the old saints. And he, he, here's what I love. You know, as a church, when we first started out, we was praying for anybody above 30. Like, Lord, send somebody 31 to the church. Like, we, we need some older saints. Because there's something so important about Titus chapter 2 saying, older women teach younger women. Older men teach younger men. And unfortunately, you know, as a, as, as a young generation, there are often times where we feel like we got all the answers. But, you, you know, even Kanye said Sway was right. So every now and then, what you need is not your own opinion. You need somebody that's lived through some things and worked through some things and, and had some struggles and had some hardship and had some trials and say, baby, it's going to be all right. Keep pressing. You need the older saints. And we need them, and we need yes ma'am, yes sir, I grew up in that generation. We, we, we need the older saints where we listen and respect them, even if they saying something that, don't, that cuts you. And yeah, OG, sometimes they say stuff harsh, yeah, it's, but we need it. We, we need it. And so he says, look, I need you to do me a favor. I don't just need you to greet Rufus, but his mama, because she was, she was special to me. She mothered me. 
This is so important. And this is not the only person that's mothered him. Look at Titus' mother. Titus' mother is mentioned as someone who helped Paul and served Paul and mothered Paul. This is important. Let's do a few more names, y'all. Verse 22. Y'all good? I know it's not my normal flow, but we, I think this, just these names are good for us today. Verse 22. I, Tertius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. I don't know about y'all, but the first time I read through Romans and I got to verse 22 of the last chapter, I felt hoodwinked. Tertius just said, I wrote the letter. But if I understand Bible history, I know Paul wrote the letter. So I'm going, wait, what's happening? I feel like that dude from IG is going to jump out and be like, got him. I just feel like, <laughs> why is Tertius taking credit? Is this Millie Vanetta? Like, what are you, why are you taking credit for what Paul has said that Paul has written? Well, let me tell you what is happening in this text. My son would say, who is this Randizi? I'm going to tell you who this Randizi is. This Randizi named Tertius was a stenographer. He, he had the gift of administration. He was Paul's secretary. And so what Paul did, I have, the, I have this picture of Book of Eli where Paul is laying out and he's just speaking what the Holy Spirit has given him. Paul's not writing, but the writer is a guy named Tertius, but he's writing what Paul is saying. Paul is saying what the Holy Spirit has given him to say. Think about how the, the Book of Romans has come together. Paul listened to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gave him the words. Paul then told the words to Tarsus. After they finished it and they put that last amen and period, then they took the letter, licked it, folded up, and gave it to Phoebe. Phoebe then carries it all the way from Corinth all the way to Rome. Don't tell me you don't matter when I'm looking at how everybody in the scripture today mattered. Paul is like, look, man, you sat here for 16 chapters. Go on ahead and drop your name because they're going to be talking about you 2,000 years later. <laughs> Just, just put your name in there. Tertius matters. And this is why, you know, we, we posted, you know, that, that temporary position that we have. We need some help from administration. And, you know, sometimes we look down on the gift of administration, but the gift of administration is just as important as the gift of prophecy. Yeah. The, gift of, the gift of generosity and the gift of administration is just as important as tongues. And we look at those gifts and be like, man, that's visible, man. I don't want to speak shot, da, 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 both say. But God may want you to simply type. And that doesn't mean that you don't have value. And that doesn't mean that you are not used by God. God can use you whether you are a stenographer, a preacher, a singer, because everybody in the room actually matters. And if I could just get you to believe this, you will be so on fire for the family of God. Listen, we need your help. As we talking about doing this outreach you know, we feed in the community because our, our goal is we exist to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. We want to see people actually physically, we can meet a real need. We need help. Think about the worship team and think about keeping these lights on the tech team. When you, when you came in, my guarantee is that somebody greeted you. Somebody said, hey, welcome. Come on in. Y'all come grab a seat. We actually need more help. And this is why I said if everybody served like you, would the church be healthy? Let me, let me say it differently. If you were in Rome, would your name be mentioned? If Paul was writing the list, would your name be mentioned? Phoebe is mentioned. Pris Priscilla and Aquila are mentioned. Aristobulus is mentioned. Rufus is mentioned. His mama is mentioned. Tertius is mentioned. Because everybody matters. I'm, I'm going to do this real quick. I didn't have time in the first service. Go real quick to 1 Corinthians 12, the very next book. Go to 1 Corinthians 12. 
I'm not even going to preach this. I'm going to just read this. And I'm going to let this thing, I'm going to let the chips fall wherever they may. Look at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12. Let's start at verse 14. He says, for the body does not consist of one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not the hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not the eye, I do not belong to the body, then that would, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of smell or hearing, or a sense of hearing, if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? Verse 18, but as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them as he has chose. If all were a single member, there would be no body. Let me say that again. If all were a single member, there would be no body. As it is, there are many members, many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor, again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Jump down to verse 26. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Can I lift that back up? If one member suffers, we all should hurt. You know, what if my toe said, you know, man, I'm not as, you know, the, the, the tongue is used on, on, on live stream. I want to do that. You know, the, the tongue helps people's lives. I want to do that. We're, we have need for the toe. You know how I know? Get your toes cut off and see if you need them. <laughs> let me go. Let me say it this way. When your toe happens to find in the middle of the night, the edge of the bed, it has a way. It's like a taser gun. That thing, your little, your can knock your whole body all the way down. What do I mean? Your toe is important. And sometimes we, just because we are the foot or the, or the finger or the hand, we think that's not the elegant gift and I want the elegant gift, but all of the gifts in Romans 16 are flourishing because there's many of them. Can I do one more name? I promise I'm going to let y'all go. One more name. Back in Romans 16. Now this name, this is the most important name. Now all the names mentioned, if you don't remember any of them, remember this one. Verse 25. Now unto him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of, here it is, Jesus Christ, according to the revelation and mystery that was kept secret long age, for longer uh, ages, but has now been disclosed through the prophetic writings, has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about obedience of faith to the only wise God, glory forever through, here it is, Jesus Christ. He lists out 29 names and he gets to the 29th and he says, I know this is the last name, but Epiphany, let me help you. The last name mentioned has to be the first priority in your life. You hear me? The last name that Paul puts down on paper has to be the first priority in your life. And that's why we are, that's why we've gathered in this room. That's what that's why you're here. You're here. If you don't know Jesus, I wonder if this name is wooing you in. If you do know Jesus, y'all know we're here to celebrate and worship the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And maybe you, you don't know who Jesus is. Let me take a second and introduce you to him. This is the one that Isaiah says the government sits on his shoulders. This is, this is the one that the Bible says in Colossians chapter 1 that all things were created through him and for him. Do you understand that the scripture says he's the agent and the goal of creation? 
This is the one that the Bible says was born of a virgin. This is the Jesus that lived a perfect life, never falling into sin, never committing any sin. The Bible says not even deceit was found in his mouth. But then this is the same Jesus that goes to a cross and takes that perfection and willingly gives it to you. It takes your sin. I'm just introducing you to who the Jesus of the scripture is, because oftentimes we think we know Jesus, but we know stuff about him, but we really don't know. him. So I want to introduce you to him. This is the same Jesus that after he completed the work of salvation, the Bible says that he gets in a grave. But while he's in the grave, three days later, he beats the grave like it stole something from him. And this is the same Jesus that rises from the dead on the third day, walks around and shows himself for 40 days to so many people. But this is the same Jesus that rises to heaven is right now seated on the right hand of the father. This is the same Jesus. I'm talking Jesus today that one day he will come back and and take care of all my sin, take care of all my enemies. This is the Jesus that will take me to heaven and your boy will spend eternity with him. Me, you, if you've trusted in Jesus, this is that Jesus. So Paul says, look, you can't even stay there, Rustabulis. You, you don't even know, you don't know Rufus. You, 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 don't, you don't know Phoebe, but let me tell you one name you better know, and that's the name of Jesus Christ. Can we worship Jesus in this room, y'all? Our great God and our King. Maybe you're in here and you don't know who Jesus is. Old saints would say, you don't know him in the pardon of your sins. What I would love to do is invite you today into the family. I want to invite you in the family. There's, there's room. That's the thing about the family of God. You ain't never got enough brothers and sisters. We want God to keep, keep adding to the church. This is why we sing songs like build your church. We're not saying build Epiphany Church. We're saying build your body. And when you build your body, make sure that we have healthy local churches so that we can flesh out that work of the body through the local body. And this is why you matter. This this is why whatever it is that you bring to the table is important because you actually supply a need that somebody else doesn't have. Do you know that you're not gifted in everything? I know you think you are, but you're not gifted in everything. And so you need somebody else to come along the side side of you and bring what you lack that's what the body does so i want to give somebody a second last week we got to see four people added to the body of christ and one of them was sammy that was up here conda forever i'm like sammy i remember when sammy was terrorizing the kids room i don't know if your land is in here rodney's in here i know they would back me up on that Giving his life to the Lord. I'm amazed at the work of Christ. I'm enamored with the work of Christ. I'm rocked by it. And God, through the work of Christ, adds to his family. Who is it in this room that you would be like, I don't know who Jesus is, but I want to know him. I know some stuff about him. You know, I, I, I've heard some things about him, but I don't really know him. Years ago, I remember, I was, this is not a political statement, but whether you like him or not, I remember when Ty and I met Barack Obama, President Barack Obama, I just, when he still was a senator. And when we met him, in my mind I'm going, man, I know so much about him. Right? I kind of studied him. I was, and 
If I walked up to him today, I was like, yo, you remember me? He wouldn't know who I was. <laughs> he wouldn't know me. But you know what? I know some stuff about him. And my fear is that you know Jesus the way I know Barack. Well, you know, you've gathered some information. You know what college he went to. You know how many kids he has. You know how long he's been married. Jesus doesn't want you to know him like that. Today, Jesus wants you to fall intimately in love with him. So if that's you, if that's you, if you will be like, that's me. I don't know who Jesus is and I want to get to know him today. You got an opportunity. Today, he says that the day you hear my voice, harden not your heart. Some of you are being wooed by the Lord right now. Right now, he's calling you. If that's you, if you would raise your hand. If you would say, I want to give my life to the Lord. Come on, if that's you. Here's what I know. This room is not filled with believers. There's somebody in here that's either a skeptic and maybe you don't have all your... By the way, if you're waiting for your questions to be answered, all of them, you'll be waiting forever. Y'all saw on Wednesday we wasn't able to answer all the questions. Somebody asked me a question about, uh, about you know, us choosing predestination. I was like, I don't know. Because there are some things that are gray. So if you're waiting for everything to make... You know that's how humans are. We want everything to make sense. The least everything doesn't always make sense. And if you could figure a God like God out, is he really God? I'm glad that there's some gray area. I'm glad there's some areas like, I don't really know. So don't feel like you have to figure it all out. But today he might be calling you. He might be wooing you. I'll give you another second. If that's you, raise your hand. If that's you, if you would say that's me. Well, then we all family. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, oh God, for the room. I thank you for taking passages like this. Passages where... There's just a bunch of names. Sometimes we skip over this stuff because it seems boring and anticlimactic. Why would you end the book like this? You gave such great theology, Paul. Why would you end just with names? But Father, I think we saw today that there's so much in the names because we get to see how everybody who contributed to the church at Rome actually mattered. And as a result, oh God, we get to put our hands to the plow and faithfully run because we look at people like Phoebe. And we look at people like Priscilla and Aquila and Rufus. And so, Father, I pray, oh God, that today that your body would be stronger, oh God, because of, of the members that are here. I pray that we would grow, that we would stand out, that we would be radical. And honestly, I don't even I think radical in terms of cultural terms of radical for you. But really being radically in love with Jesus is a is a norm in the early church. So, Lord, I pray that that would that would you stir up the gifts in the room? Would you help us all to understand that we contribute? Would you, would you bring more teachers out in the room? Would you bring more leaders out in the room? Would you bring more people that have the gift of administration and the gift of hospitality? I thank you for everybody that's serving today from worship to band to tech to, 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 to children's ministry to our, 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 our welcome team. But Father, Help us to get in the game because you never saved us so we can sit on the sideline. But you want us to, you want us in the game. And so, Father, I pray today that you would bind us together. And Lord, as we move to the next season of our church, which I think is moving downstairs and whatever it is that, whatever it is that you'll do. But I pray, oh God, that you would help us to be prepared. And by prepared, I mean all of us have our hands to the plow. Up the percentage of family members that are growing and contributing. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen.